The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Okie doke. Good. Good to be back. Haven't seen a lot of people for a long time, so nice to see you all again. Uh, had a had a had an excellent adventure. Uh, went to America for a while. That was that was stranger than I thought it was going to be. Went to I went to Thailand for a while, and that was stranger than I thought it was going to be. So it's actually nice to be back in Melbourne now. Um, so what I what I actually thought about, I've been thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, um, and it's come about through a lot of conversations that I've had with people. Uh, a question that that seems to come up a lot for a lot of people is, why do good why do bad things happen to good people? We seem to think about this quite a lot. And then uh, on the alternative, well, why do good things happen to bad people? And we have this kind of understanding that karma is some kind of natural law that's fair in some kind of way, in that if you know, a good person, good things should always happen to them, or if you do good things, good things should always happen to you. And if you're a bad person, bad things should happen to you. And um, and bad things should follow from your bad actions. But when we look out into the world, it doesn't seem to really operate like that. So what I wanted to uh, talk about this morning is a, a little bit about this understanding of, of the, you could say like the intricacies of, of karma and how we understand karma. And to do that, there's a few kind of, there's a few moving parts that we need to get our heads around before we actually talk about what karma actually is and how it's all interrelated. The first thing is, you know, what, what, what does karma mean? Karma actually means action. So any kind of action is a form of karma. So just for simplicity, uh, I'm just going to keep saying action. Um, it's easier to follow. It's easier to follow than me using all these kinds of Pali words and you getting confused of what it is. Another very important part of karma is what we call chetana, which is intention or volition or motivation in some kind of way. Again, I'm just going to call this intention because it's easier to follow. And the, the third big aspect that we need to understand about karma is what we call vipaka. Um, vipaka is a result, a consequence. So again, I'm just going to use the word consequence because it's much easier. And then also when we're thinking about these things, intentions, actions, and some kind of consequence, uh, the Buddha talked a lot about uh, uh, like kusala kamma or kusala jetana, which means a skillful or a wholesome intention or action. Again, I'm just going to use skillful or wholesome intention or action. And he talked about akusala, which is unskillful, unwholesome. Again, I'll just use the English terms. And finally, what he talked about was that we have the, the Buddha has this conceptualization of uh, papa and punya. Punya is good, good things, good outcomes, good results. Uh, and papa is, you know, bad outcomes, bad results, bad consequences. So I'm just going to use the the English terms because it's, it's a it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier for everyone to follow. But just when I use these English terms, know that I'm also referring to the Pali as well. So, okay, so to like to kick things off, what what did we do at the start of the talk today? Before we even started, one big thing we did was we, we took the precepts. Yeah. So we took the precepts. Now, what are the precepts? Well, the precepts we see them as this kind of rule. We see them as this kind of imperative that if you follow the precepts and you do things according to the precepts, that this is good. And if you break the precepts in some kind of way, then this is bad in some kind of way. So, well, the, the, the question I want to sort of ask everyone is like, uh, who, who actually tries to keep the precepts? Nobody? Or did I just do it for no reason? Like, yeah? Some people try to keep the precepts. Does anybody just go, nah, I'm not going to bother? Trying? You're trying very hard? Good, good. Is there anybody that keeps them perfectly? No? What have we been doing the last, like, 70 years of the BSV? Why, why, why aren't people perfectly keeping, perfectly keeping precepts? So, well, if you don't keep them perfectly, 
would you like to keep them perfectly? Would it be good to keep them perfectly? Yeah? Yeah? So the question I want to ask is, well, why? Why is it good to keep these things perfectly? We know it's wrong. And any other reason? Makes you feel good? Okay, yeah. So this is, you know, there, we have many kind of reasons why we would want to follow a rule. You know, the precepts are a kind of rule, remember. This is a, as I said, it's like a kind of imperative because we think that this thing is right or we think that this, the other thing is wrong. Um, the way we can sort of look at this is, is uh, you know, we, we talk about this in moral philosophy, this is a deontological view of the world where the rule is always right, you should always do things according to the rule because they're right and breaking them is because they're wrong. Now, let's think about this a little bit deeper. Let's sort of question this intuition that we actually have about rules. Is it always the case that the rule is always right? It's not too hard for us to actually think of, a, 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 of an instance where following a rule and even following the precepts, it might lead to some kind of bad consequence. You know, the, 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 famous, the famous example with this is just, uh, you know, imagine yourselves in World War II Germany. You're, you're a good person. You're, somehow you're a Buddhist in World War II Germany. I don't know how. Um, but you've decided to keep the five precepts and you think you're, you're, you are a good person, so you've decided to hide Jewish people in your basement. And one day the SS comes knocking at your door and they say, do you have any Jewish people in your house? And because you've decided to keep this rule of I don't lie, you tell the SS, well, I was hiding them, but they're down in the basement. Is following the rule in that case the right thing to do? Does anyone say yes? No? No? We, we can universally say that, that maybe lying to the SS is probably an okay thing. Okay, good. We, we lie to Nazis. It's, that's okay. That's a good thing. So, so we can see that maybe there's a bit of a wrinkle in this of always following a rule is maybe not always leads to the best consequence. And we can also look at the flip side of this as well, is that maybe breaking a rule is, can lead to a good consequence. If we think of another, think of another example, another idea of, let's say you're a mother. You're a mother and you live in a very uh, impoverished society. You're very, very poor. And you have a baby and your child contracts malaria. Your child's got a very high fever. And for some strange reason, the, the, uh, the, the pharmacist in, in your town won't sell you any uh, uh, malaria. Uh, preventative preventative medicine or they're going to sell it at a really high price it's like I don't care if your child's going to die you know you can't buy the medicine you can't get it mother steals the medicine to give to her child is that wrong would anybody say that the mother's actually wrong there no no but she broke the rule but she stole something to save a life okay so that might, you might sort of look at that and go, well, the consequences outweigh the rule. If it's a good consequence, that actually outweighs whether I should abide according to this rule or not. So what is it? Is it the rule or is it the consequences that you should follow? Consequences. Okay, cool. So maybe thinking about the consequences is a bit more important than following the rule. But let's, again, you can see where I'm going with this. Let's think about this a little bit deeper. We can think of a, a time where maybe not following the rule, yeah, it, it actually leads to a good consequence. Now, we can think of uh, like an example. An example here is, you know, obviously, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of shootings in the US. A lot of people like walking into schools and all these kinds of things and opening fire on people. And so just imagine you're in one of those situations and you're there, somebody comes in, starts shooting children and you have a gun. You have an opportunity. The only way you can stop this person is by shooting them. So what do you do? Most likely, most likely, you'll probably shoot the person. You shoot this one person to save maybe a hundred others. You think that's okay? 
So it's okay for the you know, people that are protecting people that it's okay for them to do this, yeah? Because the consequences outweigh the actual rule of killing someone, yeah? Yeah? We're all in agreement, yeah? Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so let's extend this a little bit further now. Who decides that the consequences are good? Is it you? Is it me? Is it society? Who's the one that actually decides that these, that a good consequence is actually a good consequence? Let's extend this example a little bit. Imagine now, you know, again, we use our imagination a lot with these things because it's, it's fun, it's just sort of fun to do. So imagine now, again, we're killing one person to save 100 or to save 10 or whatever it is. Now, let's, let's see, let's imagine that Australia's gone through some sort of massive economic collapse, huge economic collapse. Every, you know, we can't export anything, we can't import anything, so we have to rely on the resources that we've got in Australia. And now what, Australia has something, 25 million people or something like that? Something, something around that line. We only have enough resources for 20 million people. We decide, by the same logic, we need to save these 20 million people, so we need to kill 5 million. Okay, it's a good consequence. It's a good consequence for a lot more people. But is this now a good action? Is killing 5 million people to save 20 million, is that a good action? Is that a good consequence? It's tough, isn't it? <laughs> so we can see that maybe sometimes the consequences the consequences are just relying on the consequences that might not always be the best option either. So we can't just always go, it's just the rule, and we can't just always go, it's just the consequences. Now, one of the biggest steps that we start to make in, especially in Buddhism, but also in society at large, is we say, well, what actually matters is not just the action, not just the consequences, but our intention our intention behind these actions. Now, this, this aspect of intention, it, it really changes everything. It changes the way that you view this moral situation. It changes whether we deem uh, a person or an action, whether we deem them moral or whether we deem them immoral. It actually really changes how we judge ourselves, others, and the situation around us. Um, so again, there's, a, like, there's, there's, there's always like, great examples of this. So we can see how, we can start to see how our intentions might change the way we view a moral situation. Let's take a, like, a cool example of, of somebody. You see, you see a, a, a woman waiting for a train. She's standing on the platform. And like most people these days, they're standing there and they're like staring at their phone. Standing there, staring at their phone. She doesn't realize she's standing too close to the train. To the, to the edge, train's coming along, and you see, okay, th she, she's gonna get hit by this train. What do you do? You go over and you push her out of the way. You push this girl out of the way, she falls over and she breaks her arm, but you save a life. Is that good? You have a good intention, you wanna save this person, yeah? You've, you know, now, you know, you've pushed somebody, you've done a, a, a good action in some kind of way and it's produced some kind of good consequence. You've saved this person's life. But she's broken her arm, but yeah, it's okay, yeah? Okay, let's like flip this now. Let's flip the intention of the person. Same situation, you see this girl, she's playing with her phone, uh, she's not paying attention to what's happening around her, she's standing too close to the edge, but instead of you, the, the moral hero that is always aware and is going to push this girl out of the way, behind her is a jilted ex-lover can't stand her. This girl has ruined his life and he wants to get revenge. So he sees that she's, she's probably going to get hit. She doesn't realize, obviously. So he goes over and it's like, I can push her in front of the train. Goes up to do it, pushes the girl, but he miscalculates. Doesn't push her hard enough, pushes her in the wrong way. She falls over and she breaks her arm. So what do we think of this person, the jilted ex-boyfriend? Is he morally good or morally bad? He's probably bad, yeah? We'd even sort of go to the point of, this is attempted murder. 
So this is, you know, we can see here, it's like intention really changes the way that we view the situation. You know, in the first instance, you know, the person is a moral hero. They've pushed this girl, she's broke her arm, but this person is now this kind of moral hero. In the second scenario, this person has pushed this girl, she's broke her arm, but he's a moral monster, he's a villain. So it really does seem like intention changes something about the moral weight of the, of the situation, doesn't it, yeah? Yeah? Let's keep playing with this. Let's actually keep playing with it and see, well, is this, you know, actually, is this right? Let's think of another, think of another example here. <clears throat> Let's say there is a company. There's a company that uh, dumps waste into the water. They dump a lot of toxic waste into the water, and what this does, it destroys the environment, it kills the animals that are around that, that area. It actually even, it, it even goes on to poison the river system and actually ends up poisoning people, uh, poisoning people. So let's say a new CEO comes in. A new CEO comes into this. This CEO, he's, he's a very kind and compassionate person. Um, he doesn't want to see the environment wrecked. Um, he cares about people a lot. He cares about nature. He cares about the environment. So he sees that this company is dumping this waste into the water. And he goes, well, we can't do this. We need to stop doing this. I know a way that we can change this waste into some kind of renewable uh, resource. And, so we, and we can actually sell this off. And we can make some money from it. So he does this. New CEO does this. What do we think about the actions of this CEO? He stopped, the, he stopped poisoning the water. <laughs> he stopped poisoning the water, stopped poisoning people. Uh, 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 it's had a good environmental impact. Um, it's saved a lot of animals. Um, and it's also made money for his company. Is that a, like, a pretty good boss? It, it's pretty much like the kind of boss that you actually want. And again, let's play with this example a little bit. Same thing, same company pollutes the water, throws waste into the water. They get CEO number two, different CEO. This CEO could not care less about the environment. Does not care at all. Doesn't care about people. This is not interest in, of interest to him. What he likes is money. This guy loves money, loves making money, loves earning money and getting it onto the shareholders and everybody praising him. This is what, he, this is what drives him. This is what motivates him. He actually sees that the company is dumping this toxic waste into the water, and he goes, oh, actually, this waste, we can transfer it into some other better resource, and we can actually make money off this. And so he does. Changes it. Everybody, everybody on the board praises him. Is this person morally good? No. But it's still the same. It's still the same outcome, and it's still the same result. Even the bad CEO saves the environment, saves the plants and the animals, stops poisoning people, and makes money. So why? So why now is CEO number one good, but CEO number two is bad? They've done the same thing, exactly the same thing. We're looking at the intention here. It's like the intention seems to really matter. But does it? But, you know, does it actually matter? It doesn't matter to him, but it's the same, it's the same result. It matters to him in some kind of way, but he's, he's got what he wanted. He's happy. He's happy as. It's like, cool, I got the, I got the thing I want. The uh, CEO number two got the thing he wanted. CEO number one got the thing he wanted. Things are pretty good in both of these camps. So what we're starting to look at here is when we're looking at intentions, what we're thinking about more with intentions is what colors that a lot is our, we could say, our normative view of the world. Things that are, are, are and, and what a normative view actually means is like what society deems to be good or what we intuit is actually good and right. Now, you know, 
at this point in time, we think polluting the water and uh, 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 all these kinds of things are a bad thing. 300 years ago, nobody thought that way. It wasn't bad to throw things in the water. It got rid of them, it moved it away. So what we consider moral is very much wrapped up in the way the world views our actions. And so even if our intention changes, our intention changes, this changes how we view the situation. So a lot of that also has to do with just this kind of feeling of like, well, I know CEO number one and CEO number two, they produced the same kind of result and they did the same action, but there's something just wrong about CEO number two. There's just something wrong there. And so this comes down a lot to our intuitions, the way that we feel about things, our emotions around these kinds of things. Uh, in moral psychology, you call this the uh, intuitive perspective, where we're, our intuitions guide a lot of what we see as moral in the world. Then we also have a rationalist view, where we maybe make, you know, we, we start to do these like cognitive backflips now of like, well, CEO number one is much better because, you know, because he's helping the environment and he's doing it for the right reasons, blah, blah, blah. So we're giving ourselves all these reasons for why we think CEO number one and CEO number two are very, very different. This gets into a kind of like a kind of virtue ethics standpoint where what really matters to us, what really seems to matter to us is the virtues behind the action. The kinds of mind states, you know, virtuous mind states leading to some kind of virtuous result. So this is what sort of seems like it really matters to us. If a person is seen as honest, truthful, uh, uh, caring, and they produce some kind of result that's good, that produces a result in that kind of way, we think that's a good thing. But if somebody has these kind of bad motivations, greedy, uh, greedy, or, they, or something like this, these bad kinds of virtues, or, then, then this is a bad thing. Now, this is, you can start to see everything that we think about with morality and even with karma, this is messy. It's really, really messy. And so now we can start to put more of these things in play when we actually start to think about karma. Again, intentions, actions, and a consequence. And good intentions, good actions, uh, wholesome kusala, or bad intentions, bad actions, leading to some kind of uh, good or bad consequence, papa uh, or punya. We can start to play with the permutations now. We can start to think, I was like, well, if there's a good intention and there's a good action, is that always going to be a good result? Yes? No, of course not. The world doesn't work that way. You know, we can, again, we can see this, uh, uh, again, play with it, we can play with it, a good intention and a good action. So let's say, let's say, um, let's say you have you know, a friend, a friend, uh, a friend that's a, that's a woman. You actually see her. She's, she's constantly showing up. She's got her face beaten up all the time. And from that, you infer it's like her boyfriend's maybe beating on her. Uh, some, this is some kind of like domestic violence situation here. Your intention here is to, you want to help her. You're kind, you want to help this person. You've got a good intention. You want to produce some kind of good action to help this person. So you confront the boyfriend or you tell the police. You've got a good intention, you've done a good action, but maybe what happens? World's messy. Maybe the, the boyfriend actually gets even more angry, beats on her even more, ends up killing her. So we can see that not always a good intention and a good action will lead to some kind of good result. Now, this is where we get into this point of, well, why do bad things happen to good people? This person herself, she, she seemed like a good person. She was sort of innocent in this, but something bad happened to her. We can flip this as well. We can think of uh, like a, a bad intention and a bad action. Now let's say you have, you have a thief. Let's say you have a thief that he wants to rob another drug dealer. He knows that there's a drug dealer in the neighborhood somewhere. And he knows that this drug dealer goes out on a Friday night. And so this thief actually wants to go in and he wants to steal all these drugs and he wants to steal all his money. Now, the thief goes up to, the, goes up to the, the drug dealer's house, breaks the window, but when he breaks the window, what does he see? He sees the, sees the drug dealer inside, he's asleep on the couch. What does he do? He goes, I'm not gonna steal, I'm not gonna go in there anymore, he might shoot me or stab me or something. So he runs away. 
What the thief didn't know was that the drug dealer was making drugs and he spilt some chemicals and he passed out. And he was going to die because everything was sealed up. Now, but this other thief now opened the window, smashed the window. He saved the drug dealer's life. It's a bad intention, wanting to steal, bad action, broke into the person's house. Yeah, good result. Guy lived. This is why, and this we can see is like this is where good things can happen to bad people as well. What causes this? Why, why isn't there this kind of like one-to-one -one correlation here? Well, this is actually where we get into this aspect of something that I think is like really, really interesting, uh, something called moral luck. Um, and what moral luck actually is, is it's this kind of, just this kind of luck that people get. Let's say you have somebody that drink drives and he drives home a hundred times and he's drunk out of his mind. Nothing ever happens. But another person never drinks in their life, driving home, one day they hit a kid. This is just, you can see this is just, oh, this is bad luck. Why do these bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? So if we think of moral luck in terms of karma, we can sort of, we can actually start to understand it. What we usually think of when we think of karma is just my karma, my intentions, my actions, and the consequences that come from that. What we usually don't account for is the rest of the world coming in contact with our karma. There's so many other people, situations, causes and conditions that are conspiring and you're bumping up against these all the time. And so sometimes you just get lucky when you bump up against one of these things. And sometimes you don't get lucky when you bump up against one of these things. So it's, it's really, really messy. It's really hard to actually go, well, again, this is morally right, this is morally wrong. So we might make the extension here that, well, okay, well, we can see how there's these different permutations and sometimes good intentions and actions lead to bad results and vice versa. Does it seem like if you have a good intention, you produce a good action and some kind of good result comes out of it, does that mean that that's good? So everything lines up. Is that good? Or you, you're probably not answering me now because you know what I'm going to do. Like, <laughs> yeah? Generally, yeah? Generally, let's say that. Like, generally, yeah, it's a good thing. If you have a bad, if you have a bad intention, you produce a bad action and you produce, there's a bad consequence of that. Is that bad? Yeah? Generally. So we have this idea that this is how the world works. This is how it should work. And this is in a perfect world, this is, this is how the world should work. And this is, a lot of the time, this is what the Buddha was talking about. The Buddha talked about different kinds of karma, which I'll get into in a, I'll say, actually, I'll get, yeah, I'll, give, I'll get into that in a second kind of thing. But let's, again, let's play with that intuition that a good intention and a good action, and there is a good result, a good consequence of that, that this is now a morally good action. Most people are going to see that, yeah? And we all have that intuition that this is what, this is, what is now morally good. What happens when we throw time into this equation? Good intention, good action, good consequence, plus time, passage of time. So I'll give you an example. Um, a scientist, a scientist, his mother experiences a lot of acute pain. Um, and so he wants to relieve his mother of this acute pain and he also wants to do something good for society. And what he does is develop drugs. He develops, he works out how to synthesize opioids. And so what he does is he synthesizes opioids. These are very cheap. These are very uh, good and they, and they work. He makes synthetic opioids. It actually re relieves the pain of his mother and also the pain of a lot of people in society. This is a good thing. He's made a drug that actually helps people, relieves their pain, relieves a lot of suffering in people. Now time comes into the picture. 10 years down the track, five years down the track. What's happening with opioids at the moment? 
yeah, things are not so great for people that are addicted to opioids and the sort of the opioid epidemic. So we can see that good intention, good action, good result, all this lines up. But if we factor time in, this can change it. This can really change the whole thing. And I, you know, I don't agree with this, with, that, with this argument, but it is something to think about, is that you know, a bad intention, a bad action, and a bad result. You can look at somebody like uh, Genghis Khan. You know, a lot of people, you know, Genghis Khan, like, like invaded, invaded nearly all of Asia and pushed into Europe and all these kinds of things. And, and the way that he did this was, uh, him and, and his, his army did this, it was, it was awful, you know, murdered, pillaged, killed, wiped out massive amounts of the population in doing this. In time, some people actually argue that, that what he did was a good thing, connected a lot of Asia. A lot of science and information and technology actually uh, was able to to spread because of that. Because he'd sort of he'd, he'd he'd unified this whole massive area, spread spread trade routes into Europe and all these kinds of things. As I said, I don't really I don't agree with that position, but you know you can see if you throw time into this, then this actually starts to change everything. So this is where it's really difficult. This is where it can be so perplexing to work out the intricacies of karma. And the Buddha actually said many times, it's like, it's, it's so hard to work out karma. And he said, this, it's not really worthwhile doing it. But what the Buddha uh, actually did talk about as well, which is, which is something that's, that, that's quite nice and something for us to think about. He, thought, he, he talked about different kinds of karma. Uh, different kinds of results, different kinds of vipaka, and this is a you know this is sort of a nice neat classification system. He talked about dark and bright karma, dark and bright consequences or results. The Buddha said that there's four kinds that there's that there's dark actions that lead to dark consequences. And the Buddha said these things are things like, you know, breaking the five precepts and, you know, we kill, we steal and blah, blah, blah. It's a dark action that leads to a dark result. Is that always right? Yeah? It is? What about all the examples I just gave of, of you, do a, you do a bad action, but it actually has a good... Eventually, in time, but remember, remember again, time, time. So is that always the case, though? Not sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. You can I, again. Okay. Okay. We'll 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 take that on. We'll keep that. We'll keep that in the back of our minds for the moment. Then there's uh, uh, light actions that lead to light results. Again, these are following the precepts, doing good things, having some kind of good results. But again, is there a wrinkle in that? Not always. It's not always like a one-to-one -one exact thing. Yeah. The third thing, the third kind of karma that the Buddha talked about was bright, bright, bright and dark actions that lead to bright and dark results. And what this is, is that, that there's some actions that are mixed that lead to either a little bit of harm, a little bit of, uh, of non-harming, that are sort of moral, that are sort of not moral. Personally, myself, I think most of the world fits into this category. It's mixed. It's really, really mixed, this karma. So we can see that a lot of the karma, that, you know, in a perfect world, the first two kinds of karma, they work. You know, perfect world, these always work, and it's good. And generally, generally, most of the time, we can sort of rely on that. But we can see that most of the moral world in which we inhibit is very, very messy, and it's usually this third type. There's a mix there. It's not always, not always a way. But just finally, the Buddha said that there's a fourth kind of karma, a fourth kind of uh, action and, and consequence that we can undertake, and that is neither bright nor dark action that leads to neither bright nor dark results, consequences. And what are these? These are these are actions and consequences that we uh, that we undertake in line with the Dhamma that lead us to actually the end of karma, leads us to abandoning our karma. 
So these are things like understanding the Four Noble Truths, following the Eightfold Path, developing the, developing the Seven Factors of Enlightenment. So we can, we can look at that last kind of karma stuff, but this is the kind that we want to, we want to develop. But again, let's take another step, always take another step. Always take another step, always think about these things in, a, in, in the next kind of step. This sort of seems like a neutral kind of karma. It's neutral in some way. It's neutral that it's abandoning some kind of karma, but it's also seen as positive in some kind of way. So should we develop that? You know, generally, I, you know, I think, you know, I sort of, actually, I'm not going to tell you what I think. It's better not to tell you what I think. So what I want to do instead is, you know, we've, I've given a talk now for a while and sort of hopefully made you think about some of these things. So actually what I want to do now, instead of giving you some kind of conclusion of well, this is the thing that you should do or you shouldn't do, I'd rather get you to think about it. I'd rather get you to discuss why you think actually these things are, you know, that the fourth kind of karma is a good kind of karma to make. The other ones, not so much. So what I'd actually like to get you to do is actually discuss this among yourselves. Don't, you know, don't sort of, you know, don't need to ask me for the answer. Discuss this among yourselves. If you can sort of break into like groups of three people and actually discuss it and what, what would be good is if you could discuss, you know, what you think is important about karma. Is it intention? Is it action? Is it the, the consequences? Um, but then also, is there, Dr. Jaya, you brought up, you brought up a very good point already. You know, are there aspects where I'm wrong? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good. And so very, very good. I, 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 I love this because one thing that bores the hell out of me is me, like, people just agreeing with me all the time. It's, it's, an, oh, it's so boring. It's, it's insane. It's so boring. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's, it's so it's... So, so what, what, I'd, what I'd like to sort of open things up for is like break out into sort of like groups of three or four or something and discuss this among yourself for the next 10 minutes, let's say. And then we can sort of discuss of well, what's, you know, what's right here, what's wrong here. And actually, so, I, and I think it's also nice if there's somebody around you that you maybe you've never met before, get in a group with them and discuss dumb with them because that's essentially what we're here to do is to discuss Dhamma and to understand something about Dhamma. So for, yeah, for anybody that's in the room, you can do that. And for, as a treat for the people online, I'll go over and jump over and you can sort of, I'll talk to the people that are online for a moment. So maybe for the next, let's say 10 minutes, 10 minutes or so, break off and sort of discuss and see where I'm wrong. Okay. Okay. So we might we might come back now. You can stay in your groups if you like. It's fine. No problem. Okay. Who who's who's got some ideas? Who's solved the moral problems of the world and karma in their group? Yeah. Haven't solved them yet. Close close to solving them though. That's okay. Almost, yeah? We are more confused. More confused, yep. yep. Welcome, welcome to the state that I am usually in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, but, and, you know, it's, it's, there, there is a point with your meditation where you, maybe you have to do that, but, but also it, it is important to reflect on these things. It is really important to sort of question, it's like, well, is my way of the world, am I being in the world morally in some kind of way? Intention. Why, why did you focus on intention? Um, and is that important? And why is that important? Uh, yep. Um, I think we all agreed that intention was important. Yep. And we talked about that there's a difference between a good intention and mm. a well-meaning one, which mm. is a little bit misguided mm. but could come from your own bias. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. And again, you know, like I looked at my biases too, like with all the, we talked about all the examples and yeah. intention and yeah, yeah. the one that I had like an instant reaction to was a domestic violence one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my, my impression after you said it, I was like, well, what did you expect was going to happen when you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But that's because of experiences and training and yep. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. thought, oh, yeah, that's the difference between what's really good yeah. and what's well-meaning because yeah. I want to feel good about what I'm doing and yeah. this is really good. But is... But is but isn't a well-meaning intention 
considered good at the time. Yeah, I don't know. And I guess I've been thinking about that, like, because if it's without wisdom or yeah. then is it really good or is it still like that little bit of ego yeah. that seeps in? There, I, there could be ego there, but it could just be, it's like, I really do think that this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Yep. You know, I re- this intention that I, I really do time, think that this yeah. is the right thing and I'm really acting out of kindness and compassion. Yeah. Yep. You know, there mightn't actually be any ego. It's like, this is a wrong thing to do. So, yeah. so th- I think, you know, the intention could even if it's a if it's a, a well-meaning intention, I think that also does start as a what's considered a good intention mm. as well. So that's a hard wrinkle. Like you can flip that the other way as well. Of you, you know, now you have a more wise intention, but is the intention now good? It might be detached. You might actually act in the world now of like, well, I have a better intention now, but it's very detached. There's no compassion there but I can act in the world now because I have a better intention. And so is that good? Is that well-meaning, now this well-meaning intention, this could also be a bad mm. intention now. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. that the well-meaning could often be clouded by bias mm, and mm, mm, mm. a little bit of ego and yeah. a little bit kind of driven by, this is good, I feel good, yeah. it's going to make me feel good and it'll make yeah. all look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good point, a good point, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Yep, yeah, for sure. Whoever gets the mic is okay. Yes, talk. Sorry, but well, if you uh, bring a lot of examples of uh, uh, what you as you did, which is how the world works anyway, mm. uh, the operation of uh, karma is very complicated. Yeah. Buddha said very clearly, karma vipakaso atinteyo, incomprehensible how yep. it works. Yep. Then another important point is the intention. Mm. Well, firstly, I say that karma operates for processes and phenomena, mm. not for personalities. But right. That's the real, yep. real deep dhamma. Yep. But we are in this stupid world of we created. Yep. It works differently because we think we have been there before, we are here, we are mm. going to be there again. Mm. But that uh, karma works with that principle. Mm. Then once you put intention, yep. that is the time you make it become ownership of this activity. Right, yeah. Intention is the point you yeah. become a part of the process and phenomena. Mm. Then mm. you pay the consequences of it. Mm. Mm. That is why the Buddha said intention mm. intention is the time, the mm. point you become part of this Present phenomena, yep. which can be positive, negative, or neutral. Yep. That is a very important point. Mm. When you said about good people get bad things, bad yep. people get good things, and all mm. that stuff. Well, if you listen to the Chula Kamibanga Sutta in the Madhyamika, Middle mm. Length Courses, Buddha said very clearly if something good, positive thing is done now, mm. result could be immediate, yep. late in life, yep. or some other time. Yep. Yep. So similarly, what is come to fruition is something that has happened before. So therefore, you can't equate, mm. say, oh, he's a good man, he does good thing, mm. he should not get anything bad. Mm. It doesn't work like that. Mm. Because mm. this is a flow of things. Yep. Karma works like that. Yep. But the No question, this is a discussion. No, 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 no question. Yeah. Yep. So, so, so yeah, I said mm. stop there because a lot of people want to ask questions. But thing is, yeah. Buddha did say that uh, if somebody says somebody is born like that because of this action, yeah, yeah. it is wrong because it's mm. very complicated. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm just quoting. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And look, and you know, I it's that it's a, it's a good point, and you sort you raised it while I was giving the talk as well. It's like with the. Uh, the bright karma that leads to bright results, the dark karma that leads, sorry, dark action that leads to dark results. When you look at these things in the process of time, this can, you can, you can actually think, you can think, well, you know, I did something uh, morally reprehensible when I was a child 
and nothing seemed to happen. But then, you know, maybe, you know, maybe let's, let's say I, like, I killed somebody when I was a child. Nothing bad happens to me for many, 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 many years. And then when I'm 80, they, you know, some, somebody does a, like a true crime podcast and finds out that I'm, I'm actually the killer. And then I reap some kind of results and, you know, uh, the case gets opened up again. And now I experience the bad results of that action that was from a very, very long time ago. So time, again, plays a big part in this. It can be Time can make uh, change the moral valence of the action. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It can change it to the way that you want it to change to, or it can change it to the way that you don't want it to change to. So, yeah, time is a massive factor. And, and you know, especially if you're thinking about this in the Buddhist conceptualization of, of uh, uh, rebirth and many, 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 many births over, over a long period of time, when you start to factor that in, it gets even more messy. So, again, again, it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of messiness there. Okay, I, I want to hear from somebody that says that I'm wrong in some kind of way. This is more interesting to me. Or, or that I said something that didn't make sense, or something that was, eh. Yeah, yeah. This lady up here. Oh, sorry. Um, you were talking about, um, like, how other people's actions affect our own karma. Mm. I didn't quite understand that concept. I think it's called collective karma. I, I remember see, researching it once, but yep. I didn't quite understand it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, what, I, what I'm talking about in that kind of... Okay, so there's a, there's, we, hold, we generally we hold this view uh, with karma, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that this is a very common sense kind of view or common view with most people with karma that if something bad happens to you, it's because of your karma, either in this life or in the past life or all these kinds of things. And so we always equate some kind of action that happens or some sort of consequence that happens with something that had to do with you. Now, what I'm sort of pointing at here is that while you play some kind of causal role in that, you know, you getting, you know, you getting in the car to drive down to the shops to pick up the milk or whatever it is, you played some kind of causal role in that. Now, what I'm talking about with like other people's karma and what I call you know, moral luck um, and the karma from the world, other people have their own individual karma themselves. They are doing different things in the world. Situations happen in the world. The, you know, the weather changes, the, you, the, the, the economy of a country changes, all these different things happen outside of ourselves. So this is a central teaching of the Buddha. It's like your karma is yours and yours alone. Other people's karma is theirs and theirs alone. So now these two things can crash against each other. They can come into contact. So while you getting in the car to drive to the shops, you put in some kind, you had some kind of karma there. You produced some kind of action, your intention. You wanted to go to the shop. You wanted to, to do that. You wanted to get in the car. You did the action. Now, maybe you hit a kid. You hit a kid along the way. You didn't intend to do it. It was just a part of the action. This is like the kid's karma, the kid being out playing on the road or whatever it was, crashing with yours. So, um, um, again, karma is very, very complex. So it's not to always say that there's this one-to-one -one correlation of you did something bad, so therefore you now reap the, the bad results that you're now a child murderer, or that the child itself essentially did something bad at some point along the lines and that's why they got hit by a car. Sometimes these things crash up against each other. Sometimes it's, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of randomness that can actually happen. There's a lot of chaos that's actually thrown into the mix as well. So that's what I meant by, yeah, we have our own karma and we do our own things, but it does get influenced by the things that are happening in the world. You know, you get influenced a lot by the particular point in culture, uh, sorry, particular point in history that you grew up, the kind of culture that you grew up in, the kind of language that you've developed, the kind of uh, uh, knowledge that you have access to, all these things are outside of your control, but they influence you. So that's sort of what I meant by, we have our own karma, yeah, but it crashes up a lot with what comes in the world. Does that make more sense now or? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Good. yeah. Mangala, yeah. Mike's close, so.
Thank you, Ajahn Sadaro. It's really um, great that we can discuss this because yeah, yeah, yeah. then we found out that we got more confused because about the fourth yep. type of karma yeah, that yeah, you yeah, mentioned, yeah. Yeah. where there is um, you're neutral, mm. that you that's the path to Nibbana. Yeah. And so we were just discussing among our group that if um, we have right intentions, mm. um, because then there is some expectations. And therefore, how to be neutral? Because you, you there is you expect some good result when yeah. you do when you have good intention yeah. that's how every one of us um, are motivated to mm. um, you know do good things mm. but if if we are neutral it, then it doesn't matter whether we do good or bad it's like that's, that's, that's um, the problem yeah that's the problem yeah so <laughs> then how then doesn't matter like yeah. yeah why why do we good good things if this if we are mm. not um, or have right intentions with expectation of right uh, good results yeah. then um, because the fourth one is like you say be neutral don't mm. have right don't have expectations mm. and um, how do we go towards nibbana yeah like, it's you know look this is the th this is the stuff that keeps me up at night like yeah <laughs> like this is like this is the stuff that I'm like a spiral and it's like I know the buddha said not to think about this but god I can't help think <laughs> I can't help thinking about it so it's a it's an existentially terrible position to be in. It's like, do my actions matter? Do my intentions and my actions, do they actually even matter? And, you know, this is not really something that I can answer for you. Um, I think I think, sort of from a an intuitive and a feeling kind of perspective and an emotional kind of perspective, we really do feel like what we does matters. And a, a bit of... A, you could say like a bit of a position that I have is a, you could say it's sort of like a compatibilist position. It's like, well, you know, maybe in the great cosmic scheme of things, you know, things don't matter. But sort of what we do here at some kind of point, if it, you know, is helping the lives of other people, you know, even though if it is like this cosmic blink, that in some way it does matter because at least it matters now. Even if you look at the great scheme of time, the expansion and contraction of the universe, maybe it doesn't matter. But maybe it does right now. So, and just to just to just to clarify something a little bit, the fourth kind of karma that the Buddha was talking about, if I remember it correctly, it's it's so it's uh, neither bright, uh, neither bright nor dark action that leads to neither bright nor dark results. And so that is, but that is still a kind of uh, 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 intention, action, and consequence that leads to the reducing of your karma or the abandoning of your karma. So, you know, and that's what they say that the Arahat has realized, that they make no more karma. So I think that's more what the Buddha is talking about in that fourth kind. I maybe, I maybe have misremembered it or misunderstood it in some kind of way, but it seems like that's the kind of karma that the Buddha recommends for us to try to make. That these other kinds of karmas, this is so messy. You know, the bright, the bright that leads to the bright, the dark that leads to the dark, the neither bright nor dark. Sorry, the bright and dark, sorry. Uh, what he seems like he's uh, uh, emphasizing for us to do is to develop this kind of karma that's in line with these Dhamma teachings, the Eightfold Path, all these kinds of things, that will eventually lead us to go beyond karma. So, but you know, that doesn't, that doesn't really, you know, that's, that's sort of, you know, it's like, cool, okay, I've got this little answer now and I can go and sleep well tonight. It's... It never really works that way. It's like, well, actually, as I said, you always think uh, a few more steps ahead and say, well, yeah. does what I do matter? Yeah, Liv? I can't remember it off the top of my head, sorry. Um, I look, yeah, sorry, I can't remember it off the top of my head, sorry. I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty famous one if you look up. Does anybody know it? Does anybody else know it? Sorry? The dog duty ascetic. Dog duty ascetic. Okay. Um, either way, you look up like uh, bright and dark karma, you'll, you'll find it. You'll find it somewhere. Um, yeah.
Hi, um, hi Ajahn. Thank you so much for sharing that. As okay. you know, karma is one of my favorite like mm. you know, mm. things to mm. think mm. about. Keeps me up awake at night as well. Yep. Like yep. you. Yep. Yep. Um, my question was around something that you picked up earlier on. Uh, you know, like the CEO example, yeah. right? And yeah. also around how you said that our principles of morals and like rules and ethics and all that kind of stuff sort of you know is dependent on what society, what time yep. we're living in as well. Yep. Yep. So then, my question to you is what sort of universal principles in addition to the five precepts can we really be, you know, sort of confident in, um, in, in keeping, I should yeah. say, mm. when our society is very fluid and constantly changing. So, like, so for example, that yeah. CEO thing, yeah. um, let's say we've got a, a lot of corporations now, you know, that, that continuously try to, you know, say, hey, we're doing the right thing. We're not polluting the environment. Yep. We're not, you know, yep. Um, yep. engaging in modern slavery and all that kind of yep. stuff. Yep, yep. So when that concept changes through time, mm. what is considered good and what is considered like bad in, yeah, in this, that regard for, yeah. for people in general? Yeah. So is there a, like a, a kind of universalist ethics? Um, and you. You know, this is a massive, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a whole other talk on that. <laughs> so it's, that, that's a hard one. That is a harder one. There are people that there are people that say that there are moral, uh, there are moral truths. You could say uh, what we call like uh, moral realists, who say that there are there are ways that we can say that this is this is universally good and that this is universally bad. So there's a there's a whole camp of people that say something like that. There's a whole camp of people that say no 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 morality is subjective because it is fluid and it is always changing. So, you know, what one person in one culture considers moral, another person in another culture might consider immoral kind of thing. So we, you know, we can sort of say as, you know, there's, there's the idea it's like, well, we can't actually say if, if that, there is, that there are universal moral imperatives, uh, that there are universal moral rules. Um, so it's, that's, well, that's a massive kind of issue and there's some like really big camps on that kind of thing. Um, Taking a sidestep on that a little bit uh, and looking at it from the Buddhist perspective, you know, the Buddha did, again, the fourth kind of karma, try to develop some kind of karma that is, that is, um, that is you know, in line with the, with the Dhamma, but then also try to, try to develop the karma that is, you know, good that leads to good, bad that, you know, stay away from bad that leads to bad, but also know that this, the third type, that this is really messy. So it doesn't exactly answer your question, but, and so it's very, very hard to answer it within five minutes as well, because we only have five minutes left. So the reason I'm sort of sidestepping this is that it's very hard for me to say that there's a universal moral truth, um, but it's also very hard for me to say that it's, that morality is only subjective. What is useful for us is to think in ways where maybe where we believe that there's some kind of moral, universal moral truth. We should try to act in some kind of way. Like all we've got is the intentions and the actions that we produce. So there's these bigger moral questions, but we always have to go, well, yeah, I can think about these things a lot, but how am I going to actually act in the world? And so maybe we act in a way that there are some kind of universal moral principles. You can imagine... <clears throat> You can imagine a being being in the most possible suffering that they can possibly be. The worst state of existence ever. Everything's terrible. Everything's totally bad. They just their their life is constant suffering, constant suffering all the time. You have this sort of world of people, and then you have another world of people where they everything's great, flourishing, they're happy, content. Things work well in society. There is no kind of suffering. We can sort of look, you know, are we moving more towards one way or another? We can look at the, the world where everything is, is absolute suffering. Everything is terrible. There's so much harm and all these kinds of things. You can think of this world. And if you think, well, somehow you can sort of like magically click your fingers and then for a minute, these people in this world have their release from this suffering for a minute. They have, a minute. they have one minute of happiness. Everybody in this world has one minute of happiness. A universalist could probably say something along the lines of, this is what we would consider moral. There's suffering. There is some kind of suffering. There's 
getting out of some kind of suffering. There's harm. There's uh, getting beyond some kind of harm. So at some level, some level, this aspect where they're not suffering so much and they're experiencing a little bit more happiness, then this is a universal moral good. And so I think in some sort of way, we sort of have to act in that way a little bit. It's like, look, I know that the karma is complex. The moral world is complex. Does anything I do have any kind of meaning? <laughs> like all these kinds of things. But in essence, we sort of have to act in that way where it is possible to improve our morality in this way, in this kind of universalist kind of way, and not throw our hands up and go, well, it's all subjective, so... I become like a, a like a nihilist kind of thing, and and I, and I can't do anything. Everything morally is just subjective, and in the grand grand scheme of things, nothing matters. We do have to sort of act in a way, at least that there are some kinds of moral principles. So, yeah, again, doesn't answer the question, but at least sort of that's where I sort of land on that thing. So with that, we might call it a day for now. It's time for me to have some lunch. So you're all welcome to come over uh, for some lunches. Any final uh, announcements or anything like that? Or no, no. Yes. Again, again, just for people online. Uh, anybody this? includes that for Ajahn Sadaro too. If you for me too, that. yeah. Uh, yes. Just if anybody wants to volunteer to take the monastics around or provide some sort of transport, uh, you can either talk to Liv or you can get in contact with the, yeah. Just just live, yeah, yeah. Uh, get in contact with us uh, in some sort of way. With that, we'll pay respects to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha and we'll go and do arms around. <laughs>